Well, happy Mother's Day. The title of my message this weekend is Mother Load. So if you're taking notes, Mother Load, L-O-A-D, Mother Load. What is Mother Load? Well, it looks different for a lot of us, but I wanted to um, show you a little glimpse of what this looks like. Um, We got the mama. We got a baby in the front. We got, hi Everett. We got someone in the stroller. We got other children here who are, what are you guys doing? You guys painting nails? Oh. We have a large child, man-child, my child, in, the, in this backpack that he should no longer be in, but this is part of the, um, what we carry. Uh, working, here we are, mother. So many of us are working, single mothers, working, carrying the load of also raising our children. Um, it's a heavy load. It's a lot. And this is just one example of all the things that we're carrying, you're drinking the coffee, making sure that uh, we are caffeinated. Um, but yeah, thank you, Liz. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Lennox. Thank you, everybody. Showing us what it, part of this <laughs> heavy load is. I wanted to address the elephant in the room for a second. The fact that Mother's Day can be a hard day. Approaching Mother's Day, navigating, navigating it. Um, first of all, just the sheer planning and the, the things that go around with it of, I mean, literally my email is full of, or in the past month, or maybe longer. It's like they get you way early on, but they've been just full of Mother's Day's coming. Mother's Day is coming. What are you going to get your mom? What are you going to get that mother in your life? And here's 50% off. This is the best. This is da, 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 da. And it's like already a source of like, oh my gosh, what am I going to get my mom? Is it, is it even a good thing? What does she need? I don't even know. What does she want? I haven't talked to her in a week. What is going on? There's also just the relational side of Mother's Day that's difficult. So many of us, there's a strain on the relationship with our moms. And so many of us are struggling in some way because the mom in our life isn't the one that we needed. The mom in our life isn't there anymore. She, She passed away, or we're moms, or we were supposed to be moms, and now our children aren't with us anymore. For whatever reason, I just know that the all encompassing feel of this day can just be heavy and be hard and just carry about it just to, okay, let's just get through this day. Well, Monday's coming soon, but let's just get through it. But I just believe that even sometimes if our expectations aren't met or we're living a life where we thought it was gonna be this way in regards to motherhood, in regards to the lives we were supposed to live, versus what we're actually living, and the strain, and the struggle, and the difficulty. 
I believe that we're meant to not expect from people. We're meant to expect from God. And my encouragement today in this moment is that whatever is in our hearts towards this day, whether it's joyful and we're excited to go to Mother's Day brunch or have a mom margarita or whatever, (laughs) whatever is coming into, whatever is surrounding you in regards to this day, my prayer is that you just take a breath Let it go. Maybe you forgot to send your mom flowers. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. But the grief and the struggle that can also come along with it, I just believe that if we look up, we can see that God has so much for us. Psalm says, my soul waits for God alone. My expectation is from him. And so my prayer today, no matter where we find ourselves, is that in this moment, as we open up God's word together, we've been worshiping him together, we've been expectant together, that in this moment right now, as we open his word, that we would say, God, speak to us. We need you. We need to hear a word from you. We need you to touch our lives. We need, to touch, we need your touch in this sensitive part, in the relationships in our lives, in the, the relationship with my mom, the relationship with my child, the relationship with my sister. And so I just pray that over all of us today. And I also know that this idea of mother load, there's a weight to mothers. There's a, there's a weight to this. I believe that there's a weight to being to, the, to motherhood. There's a weight to stepmotherhood. There's a weight to foster motherhood, adopted motherhood, grandmotherhood, allo motherhood, which is basically, which I just learned this word, but it means like a substitute mom, someone who maybe didn't bear kids themselves, but is in the place of helping raise children. But here's the thing. What I love about this house, one of the things I love is that we love to celebrate all the ladies in the house from young to old because I believe, we believe, that God has placed something so beautiful about the woman's heart that there's a beauty and a strength and a femininity and a confidence that God has given each and every one of us, and it looks different for each and every one of us. I've been, I read in, during our 21 days of prayer and fasting, I read Captivating by Stacey Eldridge. And I realized I was slow to get on that bus because it was written like 15 years ago, but I read it and it was life-changing. And so if you're looking for a book um, that will just encourage and speak to your heart as a woman. It is so beautiful. But we're reading it together as the ladies on staff and staff wives. And I came across this part of the book that I just wanted to share with you in regards to the mother's heart and that you don't have to be a biological mother to be a mother. You don't have to be a stepmother to be a mother. This is for you today. Can I have the lights up a little bit? I can't see all the people. She says... All women are called to mother, and all women are called to give birth. Women give birth to all kinds of things, to books, to churches, to movements. Women give birth to ideas, to creative expressions, to ministries. We birth life in others by inviting them into deeper realms of healing, to deeper walks with God, to deeper intimacy with Jesus. A woman is not less of a woman because she is not a wife or has not physically born a child. The heart and life of a woman 
is more vast than that. All women are made in the image of God in that we bring forth life. When we enter into our world and into the lives of those we love and offer our tender and strong feminine hearts, we cannot help but mother them. And this is who we are as women, as ladies of the house. And I just want to speak that over you today to encourage anyone who might feel like, oh, I'm not a mom. But yes, that's in you because God's heart, we're made in the image of God and God's heart is to mother and to tender and to care, be tender and care for the people in our lives. If you'd open up your Bibles, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 2. I'm reading from the New King James Version if you want to read along um, on your phone or we have it for you on the screen as well. You guys with me? Okay. Are you guys sleepy? Okay. Can we lift up the lights a little bit more? I think people in the back are needing some shininess. Okay. Okay. Exodus chapter 2, before I read, I just want to say I've been loving this River Wild series. How has it been for you? Has it been so good? I've heard from multiple people that they've said, gosh, I've listened to that message like three times already, and it's just so good. Last week's message, you have a new memory. If you haven't listened to that, you've got to listen to that. Please listen to it today. Yes, someone said yes, it is so good. Um, but I just feel like it's been a strengthening thing for our church as we've been um, going through these collection of talks, these messages where it, they're centered around rivers in the Bible. And God, his heart for us is that we would be living abundant lives, these lives where the wells in us are springing out and flooding out into people's lives around us, the, the Holy Spirit in us and through us. And today, my husband last week was, he had mentioned Moses, who is the greatest leader of all time. I mean, he's an amazing leader, humble, loved God. Um, And last week we were seeing a little glimpse of his life, but today I want to talk about his birth story. So in Exodus chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, And a man of the house of Levi, which in my opinion is the best house, went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, And her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. 
Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, because I drew him out of the water. And Father, we look to you today. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you, God, for your kindness that leads us to repentance. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your word that is living and powerful. We ask that you would open up our eyes, that you'd help us to see the things that you have specifically for each and every one of us, for our hearts, for our souls, for our lives. Because we believe, we're expectant that you're here in our midst, in this gathering, to speak to us individually, but also to speak to us as a whole, together as Fresh Life Church. And I pray for anyone who has come in who doesn't know you. I pray that they would see how much you love them and that you have a plan for them, that you draw them into you, that they would give their lives to you. We surrender to you, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I also just want to say, yes, this message is called Mother Load, and it's Mother's Day, but I just want to encourage all you men and boys and guys to not check out, but as we open God's word, I believe that he has something for you, and... um, So this is for you too. Now, before we dive into this, we have to look and see what is happening around this passage because we never go into something and just read it for what it is. We have to see what is going on in that day, what has happened in the previous verses, um, what God is doing. And so we look back at chapter one in Exodus and we see even the title of it says, Israel's suffering in Egypt. So we know that something is going on. We know that there's pain happening. We know that there's suffering. And basically, as we look into um, the backstory of what's happening into Moses' birth, we see that the children of Israel, God's people, are suffering and that they're going through a hard time. Basically, Joseph came in and he was like the number two to Pharaoh. And he was, read it, on to, read it by yourselves later, but it's Genesis. It's the story of jo- Joseph coming into Egypt. His brothers come in. Basically, they come into this country, this land, and it's not where they belong, but they come here and they're living here. And so here they are. They're in this land of Egypt. The Pharaoh who loved Joseph was like, yeah, you guys should totally come live here. It's awesome. We have plenty of food for you guys. Just hang out here. It'll be fine. But then it says that it was now a time where Joseph had died. His brothers had died. A new generation had come up. There was a new king, a new Pharaoh, who looked at the Hebrews, who looked at the children of God and didn't like them, to say it very mildly, And he saw them growing in number. It says in verse 7 of chapter 1, but the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. 
So here's this new king who already doesn't like them, but now sees that they're multiplying. They are everywhere. The land was full of them. There's just Israelites everywhere. And now he's thinking, I don't like this. I don't like the fact that they could outnumber us because they do outnumber us. But if they joined our enemies, then they're really out to get us. So he's thinking of himself. He's thinking of his legacy. He's thinking of his kingdom. And he doesn't want them there. So his first line of attack against them, there's three of them. His first one is it says that he basically made them slaves and tried to make it as hard on them as possible to serve him and to be a slave, making it bitter for them, making, making it harsh for them. The word is rigor, but it's a harshness, basically pressing them down, crushing their spirits so they wouldn't multi- be fruitful and multiply anymore, so that they wouldn't be abundant, so they wouldn't grow, but that they would decrease. The second line of attack from this pharaoh is that he went and talked to the midwives. It says that they were Hebrew midwives. He went and talked to them. Apparently, they were set to be over 500 or more midwives. So these were like the the lady bosses. Um, Their names were Shifra and Pua. And he talks to them, and he basically says, hey, whenever you or your midwives are in the room and a Hebrew woman is giving birth to a child, if it's a male child, kill it. If it's a female child, let it live so that the the girls can grow up, marry into the Egyptian culture, and the Israelites will be wiped out forever. So that was his second line of defense. Thirdly, because we're going to find out in a second, thirdly, when that wasn't happening and when that wasn't helping, his line of defense was to tell, give, basically give an edict to all the people and say, all the Egyptians, and say, any baby boys you are to throw into the Nile River because we're going to get, we can't get rid of them this way. We can't get rid of them this way. We, this is what we're going to do. And it, he went from sneakily in, in the birthing room to just blatantly and heinously, outwardly wanting to kill the babies. So this death, this fear, this is the climate of the nation that Moses is now born into. And so take that, and we're just going to look at, basically, these women that are in this story and the mother load that they had, which in this case was to save Moses. The word exodus means deliverance. And It's basically the story of Moses coming, God sending a baby, which I love how God arranges our lives and uses something so simple, so seemingly insignificant to change the world and to bring light and his love to the world. But we're going to see these women and how they carried this mother load of saving a child. I don't even know if they were fully aware of what was happening, but God sent them and used them to save the life of this child who would be the deliverer of God's people, the deliverer of these people who were stuck in slavery. The first that I see, and I'm gonna, we didn't read it, but I'm going to read it to you, are these Hebrew midwives. One was Shifra and one was Pua. Shifra means um, prolific or procreate. Uh, Pua means childbearing or joy of parents. Now, this is so 
beautiful because these are the first ones who feel God's call to do the right thing. They were called to kill the the sons. But it says in verse 17 of chapter 1, but the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. So as I was reading about this, it said that these were actually Egyptian midwives. They were Egyptian by birth. These were Egyptian names. But how beautiful is it that, yes, they were Egyptian by birth, but they embraced the faith of Hebrews. And they realized they realized that, that they needed to do the right thing. I believe that part of motherhood, part of the mother load, is honoring God first and doing the right thing when it comes to the little people in our lives. They feared God. And I believe that God calls us to honor authority. I don't, I don't believe that we're supposed to be going around rebelling and every bad leader, we're rebelling against them. I believe that we're meant to honor authority. But when it comes to being asked to do something wrong, to do something evil, to do something horrible, that we honor God first. We don't honor that authority in that sense. We honor God first, and we fear God first. And the result of this, it says that God dwelt well with the midwives, that the people still multiplied. So even though all of this harshness was going down on God's people, they were still multiplying. Isn't that how God works? So so often we could be going through difficult things. We can have a pressure on us, but God can still cause life and beauty and flourishing to come out of our lives in the midst of hardship, in the midst of heartache. So here we are. A man of the house of Levi marries a daughter, a wife of of a daughter of Levi. They come together. At this point, they had about a 12-year-old girl, Miriam, and about a three-year-old boy, Aaron. And here, by faith, she conceives and bears a son. It says in verse 2, when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. When she saw that he was a beautiful child, I believe that part of the mother load is how you see the people in your life. I think so often we can only see the negative. We see the things that frustrate us about our children or the people in our life. But it takes a, a change of perspective. It takes a change of, of looking at people through the eyes of faith even to see the potential in them, to see the beauty in them, to see the strength in them. I believe that how we see can change the way we live. So they saw he was a beautiful child. Now, we all... We, Babies are beautiful. We all usually tend to think that our babies are so beautiful. And um, regardless, I know sometimes it's like, oh, you're such a beautiful baby, even though you look like a really old man. Like, you're so cute. Really old men are not bad. I'm just saying, when you're looking at a tidy baby, you don't expect for it to look wrinkly and old. (laughs) But they saw that he was a beautiful Child. And some of the commentaries I was reading was saying that they saw that there was something special about him. They saw that, that there was something that God had for him, a special calling on his life. They saw with the eyes of faith something that maybe no one else could see, but they saw that he was beautiful. 
So they hid him three months. Now, I don't know how anyone could hide a baby for three months. Uh, the crying, the changing diapers, the everything is... Three months hiding a baby seems impossible. Maybe he was a good baby. I mean, there's colicky babies, there's really chill babies. Even within a family, you have all different kinds of babies. But they decided to hide him for three months. Hebrews 11.23 says, It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. But in verse 3, it says, but when she could no longer hide him. Now, developmentally, usually three-month-old babies, they start to coo, they start to squeal, they start to gurgle and make all the googly, cutie noises. And so this was probably part of, oh my gosh, we can't hide this baby anymore because he is so loud. He's making all these noises. So it says, when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river. I don't know when Jochebed started having this plan. I don't know if it was when she found out she was pregnant and she realized, I'm pregnant in a day where they are throwing baby boys in the river. What am I going to do? Maybe she just started think like writing things out like, well, I could do this. I could do this. Maybe that's when it started. Or maybe it was when she gave birth to him and then saw him and said, realized it was a boy, because obviously in those days they didn't know if it was a boy or a girl, but found out it was a boy and realized this is a special little man of God. What are we going to do? Let's hide him three months, but then after that, what are we going to do? So maybe this plan has, was like simmering and stewing for a while, but now was the time where she had to go into action. Now was the time where it was up to her to try this plan out and to do it. And I believe that mother load, part of the mother load, is our actions, what we do in faith, how we live our lives, how we take those moments with our kids and how we live intentionally to, to lead them and to love them and to protect them and to be the mother that we've called, we're called to be. I believe that faith and careful planning go hand in hand. Faith and careful planning. So here we are. We're, we do everything that we can do. We work hard. Uh, the people who, the amazing impact teams who lead in this church do everything they can do to set the stage so that on the weekend, the gospel is presented, Jesus is worshiped, and we give everything we can so that people can come to know Jesus, so that people can give their lives to him, but also so that people can grow closer to Jesus. And so here we are, we're doing everything we can, but then there's also faith. There's the part that we can't do. There's the part of the Holy Spirit coming, the part of the Holy Spirit moving in our lives and speaking to us and opening our eyes to see what God has for us. It says that she created this little tiny boat, little baby Moses basket, which is actually a thing. I remember 
as I was preparing, I was like, wait a second, I think my mom like put me in something called a baby Moses basket. And so I was looking it up and then I found on Etsy, here's, I have a picture of one for you, but um, it's so beautiful and so amazing. And on Etsy, you can buy one for $150. I'm sure you could just make your own, but these are so cute. But it's just so, in my mind, I was just thinking, Jacobin must be laughing in heaven because here's this, in desperation, she's creating this little vehicle for her kid to save his life. And now, all these years later, we're calling this the, the baby Moses basket. And you can buy it on Etsy for $150. Or you can, here, you can DIY. You can make it yourself. But it, how, it's just so funny to me what we, we, it's literally, you type it in and it's baby Moses basket. <laughs> Anyways, but I can just imagine that here she is, she's gone into action, she's creating this thing, and as she's putting the tar and the pitch and laying it together, I can only imagine that it also included her prayers as she was making this, that it also included her tears, because essentially she was creating a baby casket for her son. She didn't know. She didn't know for sure what was going to happen. She didn't know the outcome. But she was creating a place to lay her baby in and set it in the reeds. Where it's possible that she thought, I have no idea if this is going to work, but it just might work, and I'm going to do everything I can the hope that there was in her heart, there was that little glimmer of hope that this could be the answer to save my baby's life. And I just want to encourage you today that whatever is in your hands, whether it's the heartache, whether it's a difficulty, whether it's a struggle, I want to encourage you to expect from the Lord that there would be a desperation in your heart, a hunger for him, that no matter what is in front of you, that what you're building, what, what's happening in your arms, that there would also, it would be covered in prayers and covered in tears and showing that there's a crying out for Jesus in the midst of what you're carrying, your mother load. We then see, so she lays, lays this basket in the reeds by the river's bank. Verse 4 says, and his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. So Miriam is his sister, the oldest in the family. And I can only imagine what it would have been like for her to stand back and watch all of this at such a young age. Because she's at such a a life-changing, pivotal age where so much is happening in her body, puberty, pre-puberty, you know, all the things, hormones. And yet she's also witnessing a huge step of faith from her mom. And she is getting to be a part of holding, carrying the mother load of her brother and his life. I believe that part of the mother load is watching to see what God will do. Watching. Seeing what he's doing, being aware of what he's doing, but also just standing back and saying, God, I want to see what you're up to. Having the eyes 
to see it. We also see the Pharaoh's daughter in verse 5. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. Now, I can only imagine that Jochebed planned all of this out. Like, I, I, in my mind, I'm like, she must have planned this out. Like, if she, she laid the baby in the reeds, and she must have known that Pharaoh's daughter, like, came often to bathe there. Like, she must have known that. I, in my mind, and from, like, videos growing up of, of this story, I picture, and I remember there being a video of her, like, putting her son in the river, and then like the waves tossing it up and down. And it's like, you're wondering, oh my gosh, is that crocodile gonna eat it? And like more of like, that's so scary when in actuality, she l- safely and carefully laid it by the reeds, which is so interesting to me because she technically was obeying the king. She put her baby boy in the river, but there was a care. There was a protectiveness. There was a, I'm gonna do this, but. I'm going to do this thinking that God might have another plan, that God might be able to intervene and do something impossible. Pharaoh's daughter came to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. I was looking at this book called All the Women in the Bible, And all these other women that we're looking at were in there, except for these maidens who walked along the riverside, Pharaoh's servants. And this was so interesting to me because they actually had one of the most precious jobs of this whole operation. And one of them in particular, and we don't know her name, but one of them in particular was the one that was standing right there walking up and down the river. I'm imagining these maidens were protecting their princess, walking up and down the riverside, probably looking for people who could hurt her or crocodiles looking for the little heads poking out, saying, okay, you actually need to get out of the river now because there's something about to eat you. I could imagine there's just a protectiveness about them. But there was one servant in particular who had the privilege of actually stooping down and rescuing Moses out of the river. And it probably seemed so insignificant. She was just picking up something that her, her boss told her to pick up. But she got to be the one to take Moses out of the river. And I just think this is so special because for those of us who feel like we're insignificant, maybe all the things that we're doing, that it just doesn't matter. Maybe we're, we're doing things that we don't get thanked for. Maybe we feel like that servant where we're just literally doing all the things, helping other people, protecting people, doing all the things, but we don't get recognition or people don't even know our name. But what I, what I, I want to encourage you with today is that God sees. And I love that they're mentioned. God sees what you're doing. And it's special and it's beautiful. And don't lose heart doing good because God is at work in you, but he's also at work through you. Don't forget that. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to go get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, 
This is one of the Hebrews' children. I love how God is moving in this. This is Pharaoh's daughter. This is literally the daughter of the Pharaoh who is trying to make it difficult for the Israelites to even live, pressing slavery on them, trying to kill them when they're born, and now trying to just kill them, wipe them out, making sure that everyone just has the power to throw their babies in the Nile River. This is Pharaoh's daughter. And yet, look at her. There's a difference from him to her. She had compassion. Then it says in verse 7, Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. God is arranging everything. Do we, know, do we all know and understand that God is in control of our lives? Yes, we can plan. We can do everything that we can to, to make things happen. But ultimately, God is weaving his strength, his power, his love in the midst of our lives. And we can trust him. And this is just so funny to me because when, first of all, Jochebed was thinking... I'm laying my baby in the reeds. I don't know if I'm ever going to see my baby again. She walked back home, I'm guessing, to handle Aaron, who's running around dipping things in the toilet. Or she, she could have been praying. She could have been stress cleaning. I know that's a real thing. But whatever she was doing, when Miriam came to her, she was ready. She walked with Miriam to Pharaoh's daughter, and then is hired to nurse her own baby boy who she had released. She brings him back. I can only imagine like what they were talking about, the, the weeping that was happening as they were walking back to their house. And here she is holding her child, but now she's getting paid to take care of her child. It says in verse 10, And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, because I drew him out of the water. This verse, there is a lot of emotion packed into here. If you think about what's happening, the child grew. It's some commentaries say that he was probably three or four years old. I'm picturing Lennox because he's three, almost turning four but how much she embraced each day with this little one, not knowing when it would be the day to give him back to Pharaoh's daughter to be his mother, his new mother. The child grew, and then the day came where she actually brought him to Pharaoh's daughter for her to be his mother. This was the day where she said goodbye without hope of probably ever seeing him again. I believe that part of the mother load is releasing our children into what God has for them. 
And it looks different for all of us because some of us, we're in the season of releasing our children into college and that is so scary. Some of us, we've had to release our children prematurely if we've had to say goodbye and they've, they've died and we've had to release them. And I think this is a hard thing for a lot of us when we live in a split home and we've dealt with divorce and now every week we're releasing our children and the pain of having to release them, not knowing what's going to happen because I'm not there and I, what's, what's happening and that's hard. But I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to embrace the time that you have with your kids now, looking at today as special and beautiful. And then when you have to release them, release them. God is good. He's our perfect father and he's their perfect father. And he loves them. He loves them more than we do. And if we just release them, we might, we'll get them back next week, but release them. God is faithful. And I pray that he would strengthen you deep on the inside, trusting him, knowing that he loves you and he's in control and he has a plan in all of this. It says that she called his name Moses because she drew him out of the water. <clears throat> Moses in the Egyptian language means son, but Moses in Hebrew means drawn out one. And I love this because his whole life, he knew that he was drawn out. And I don't know what his name was before. I don't know his birth name, the name he was given at birth, but this was his name that his stepmother named him. And all his life, I mean, even in moments where he was like, wait, why did you call me Moses again? What's the story? Or like, I know, I don't know about you, but our kids are always like, tell me about when I was a baby. Tell me about the story. Tell me about, tell me about when you were a baby. When you, tell me your story. Like, they just love stories. But I'm sure I, I could just picture him asking that. What is the story in my name? And knowing that he was drawn out and that he was saved and that God had a purpose for him and that his stepmom, was part of that process. Now, I just want to quickly speak to the, the step-parent, biological parent for a second. I want to encourage you, and I, what, regardless of how you feel about the parent, I want to encourage you to speak well of the kids' parents to them, fostering a, a a love and a respect and an honor in their relationship. I know every situation is different, but I just want to encourage you. I believe that God will bless you and give you a new perspective and a new compassion and a new heart as you speak well of their parents, as you, as, you, as you speak well of them and you speak life over their relationship. I just want to encourage you in that. Recently, it was found, there was a painting that was found that was sold years ago for $60. And it just became a thing that it was actually a painting painted by Leonardo da Vinci. 
and that was sold for $500 million. That's crazy. But in regards to this, I believe that part of the mother load is seeing what and who you carry as the mother load. I think so often it's easy for us to see our children as, it's just frustrating, it's hard right now, I don't know how to handle this, what are you even saying, what are you even doing, who are you, what is this? We see the frustration of it, and then years later we look back and we see, oh my gosh, the potential of my son was this, but I only saw this. I saw only the $60 painting, but what was there was actually $500 million. There was, there was a, a human in my care. And I don't want to speak any shame because I believe that God can redeem anything. If we, if we were thinking that back then, I believe that God can restore now and he can give us a new heart and give us a new spirit and help us to see things differently now. I don't think it's ever too late to see the best in people. It's never too late to honor God in people. The mother load, L-O-D-E, is a mining term which means a rich or important load, a major or profitable source or supply. The mother load can also be known as a treasure trove or a wellspring. And what I want to encourage you to see today is that whatever the mother load is that you're carrying that seems weighty and heavy, to look at it as the mother load. This is a treasure. This human is a treasure. These people that God has allowed me to lead, are, they're a treasure. And what's so beautiful is that Moses is called the drawn out one. And I believe that part of the mother load is drawing out the greatness in others, is calling out the greatness, is seeing maybe a tiny little bit of potential and calling that out, not focusing on the negative, but calling out the positive. I love that the word mother is pretty much taken over by the word other with an M in front of it. We as women as mothers, with our mother's heart, exist to make others' lives better. We exist to help them find their calling and to help other people. And that's important, to draw greatness out of others. But I also think that it's meant that we do life with others. That yes, our job is to help others, but also that we need others in our lives. 1 Corinthians 13.4 says, Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. We started off with addressing the elephant in the room. And I just want to talk a little bit about, as we wrap this up, addressing the elephants in the room in the sense that the people who, are, who we are born to be, who are meant to be. My friend, Ellie Furtick, loves elephants, and she was telling me about them, and I just had to share this with you because this is so beautiful in regards to the fact that we're meant to do life together. The mother load isn't just for us to carry, but to involve others. Male elephants go off on their own after puberty, but female ele elephants stay together for life. 
They form a powerful herd that provides guidance and protection for each other. Mothers, sisters, aunts, cousins, and even those without blood relation form a tight circle that is not easily threatened. The seasoned mothers teach the new ones how to care for their young. The oldest teach the youngers the safest route to water during drought. They can communicate with each other without a sound. When one of their own is weak, the others in the herd fiercely protect her. In fact, when a mother is giving birth, her herd will form a tight circle around her while she was most vulnerable to attack. And when a member of their herd suffers, they all grieve collectively. And I believe that's just a powerful picture of how we're meant to live. Yes, we are living to to love others, to serve others, to draw greatness out of others, but we're also meant to live life with others where we're helping each other carry the load, carry the mother load. And as we close out, what's so beautiful about all of this is that Moses points us to the deliverer, to the savior, to the rescuer. And all of this points to Jesus. Part of the mother load is depending on Jesus for the strength to carry this load. So yes, we have a load. God has given us each something to carry. Men too. Single fathers, father load. But he's also given us as a home, as a house, this fresh life house, these people where we carry it together. But we're also not meant to carry anything in our own strength. Jesus is our strength. God gives us what we need to face what we're holding in our hands. And it changes in seasons, because in this season of life, I might be carrying something different than when I'm in this season of life. But God meets us right where we're at in the season that we're in to carry the load. The Bible says, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he was speaking specifically of people who didn't yet know him. So I believe that's for people who don't know Jesus yet. He's calling them to himself, but I also believe that that's for us as well. We're not meant to carry these heavy burdens. We're not meant to hold on to the weight of the struggle and the, and the frustration and the sin and the pain. We're meant to give that to the Lord. So Lord, today, we lift our eyes. We look to you. And we realize that regardless of what you've called us to carry, that you didn't mean for us to struggle it out on our own strength. And so I just want to pray for anyone here today who's carrying something weighty, heavy, who's just feeling the the struggle. Whether you're a mom, whether you're a father, whether you're neither, whether you just are here and you just have a weight in your hands. I just want to pray for you. If you want to raise your hand, I just want to pray for you. Lord, I pray for those who are raising their hands, who are saying, that's me. God, I'm carrying a heavy load that I know that you allowed in my life, but it's hard. And I look to you now. 
And I just pray for these. I pray that they would be able to take a breath, a deep breath, knowing that you are with them, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. And that yes, you might be calling them to carry this, but you also are carrying it with them. And when you tell them to be strong and courageous, you're actually really excited because they might go off and try to be strong and courageous, but they'll come right back to you and realize that they need you to be strong and courageous. So Lord, I lift them up to you. I pray that you'd strengthen them, that you'd surround them with your peace and your love and your strength. You can put your hands down. And I also just want to speak to anyone who doesn't yet have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you came today just kind of at your your wit's end. You know that there's something, but now you're realizing that it's Jesus. He is the answer to the ache within. He's the only one who satisfies us. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. And if that's you today, I just want to help you in calling out to him. All you have to do is say, God, save me, I believe. And I'm just going to give you some words to pray. Our church is going to pray with you. You can pray, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that I'm far from you. But I know that you saved me. You died on the cross. And you rose from the dead, giving me hope in death and power in life. I surrender to you now. Take my heart. It's yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. What an incredible message that was. So good, Jenny. Thank you. I hit the mother low with you, and uh, I hope that message encouraged you. God wants to help you see that heavy load as you hit in the mud load. And a big part of that is even the language that you use to speak of it. You can speak of something as a heavy crushing burden or something that's an honor to be entrusted with. And we're believing this message is going to just continue to uh, bear fruit in your life. I want to say also, as we mentioned, the movement conference is coming up. And yes, you can register to watch online from across the country if you're a student. But why not come in person? Why not come make it a priority? Take your own family. Come on out. Let your student be a part of the conference, and then you can go off and explore the mountains and explore the lakes. Or you could also serve and help. Uh, some movement conference this summer, 6th grade to 12th grade. We would love to have your student here. They'll be encouraged. They'll be blessed. I believe God will use it to change their life forever. God bless you. Happy Mother's love Day. Love you.